KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. California's governor declared a heat emergency on Monday in order to free up energy generation capacity. Gavin Newsom also wants an investigation into what led to rolling blackouts around the state over the weekend. Newsom says the power grid operator's failure to anticipate the spike in demand and to meet that spike with additional resources is unacceptable. Meanwhile, on Monday afternoon, the California Independent System operator ordered SDG&E and other utilities across the state to begin rotating outages. However, Demand was lower than forecasted and the stage two emergency was canceled at 7.30 p.m. last night. Still, Governor Gavin Newsom is warning Californians to be prepared for the possibility of more rolling blackouts over the next 72 hours as the state struggles to meet demand for electricity during this record-breaking heat wave. That's according to City News Service. Stay with us. Further along in the show, we have more on the story from KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Governor Gavin Newsom said Monday the first San Diego County came off the state's watch list, but it wasn't San Diego. Turns out it was Santa Cruz, but Governor Newsom says there's potential it could still happen soon for San Diego. We anticipate uh, San Diego to come off tomorrow. Uh, So I imagine that's good news uh, from perspective of the county. In fact, I think it's extraordinarily good news. Last week, for three days in a row, the county reported its rate of new coronavirus cases was below the state's threshold of 100 per 100,000 people. But a state review found more backlogged cases that upped the rate and delayed our removal from the list. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says officials are expecting confirmation today, but he warned San Diegans not to celebrate too much. As soon as we come off the monitoring list, we have to have the same vigilance, the same focus and the same effort. Uh, to continue to keep our case count low. Schools could open for in-person instruction if the county stays off the watch list for two weeks, but the state still hasn't released guidance on reopening businesses. A pair of earthquakes in Baja, California Monday could be felt in San Diego as far north as Fallbrook. The first quake was a magnitude 5.1 tumbler, and it was felt at 8.30 a.m. The second, a 4.3 tumbler, was felt about a minute later. Both quakes were recorded about 37 miles east-northeast of San Vicente, Mexico. U.S. Geological Survey maps showed light shaking was felt from Alpine to Oceanside. There were no reports of injuries or major damage. The Democratic National Convention kicked off virtually last night with speeches from Bernie Sanders, Michelle Obama, and a host of Republicans for Biden. And the convention continues tonight. Be sure to tune in to KPBS Radio starting at 6 p.m. or catch it this evening on KPBS Television. If you miss it, you can always go online at kpbs.org to get the latest recap. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, August 18th. You're listening to San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. San Diego City officials last week stepped up patrols in Ocean Beach to enforce mask wearing and social distancing, but across the county, enforcement remains inconsistent. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has more on this story. San Diego is five months into the COVID-19 crisis, and at many beaches, things look mostly like they did before the pandemic. San Diego police are going out more often to encourage mask wearing and social distancing, but they're not handing out tickets anymore. Joel Day is coordinating the city's public health enforcement strategy. So our strategy is to do as much as we can to get people to come into voluntary compliance. Uh, we believe in personal responsibility. I think we all do. We understand that wearing a mask is somebody's personal responsibility. Then there's the case of Boulevard Fitness, a gym in University Heights that for more than a month has defied several orders to shut down. SDPD cited the owner last week, but the gym was still open for business on Monday. SDSU public health professor Lauren Brown says when emphasizing personal responsibility fails and there's no enforcement to back it up, public health can suffer. And she says the failure starts at the national level. Because we're starting at the top with really poor, high-level decision-making and infrastructure around how we're going to nationally handle this virus, we're not creating good policy at a local level. The county's COVID-19 case rate is declining, so a crackdown on businesses or individuals flouting the public health order doesn't appear to be likely anytime soon. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. A majority of Californians support more police reform measures, according to a new UC Berkeley poll. And that could help push a handful of policing bills over the finish line this legislative session. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. The Berkeley poll shows big majorities of California voters support reforms that vary from making it easier for civilians to sue over excessive force to limiting collective bargaining powers of police unions. That's despite the fact that seven in 10 respondents reported being satisfied with their local police. Lawmakers are hungry for reform, too. Sacramento Democratic Assemblyman Kevin McCarty made the argument last week in advocating for one of his bills to create new oversight of police shootings. In this era of George Floyd and what we saw last year in my community with stuff on Clark, there's been a great cry for common sense police reform and sometimes really aggressive police reform. His bill got a thumbs up from a Senate committee last week. It's one of several police reform bills that could make it to the floor for a final vote before the session ends later this month. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. San Diego State University broke ground on Monday on a major campus expansion in Mission Valley. The $88 million deal with the city will change the landscape of Mission Valley. Adela De La Torre is the president of SCSU. In the years ahead, We'll see a world-class innovation district where SDSU faculty and students alongside industry and the public sector partners, they will conduct research into cutting-edge areas and critical issues of our time. 
The Mission Valley site will include a multi-use stadium, a satellite campus, commercial and residential units, and a park along the San Diego River. Completion of the entire project will take more than a decade. With Monday's heat emergency declaration and warnings of rolling blackouts across much of the state, California's governor has lost patience. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson reports on an investigation ordered by Governor Gavin Newsom into last week's power outages. Mandated power outages roiled California residents this past weekend as state power grid managers struggle to keep the lights on in the midst of a summer heat wave. It's the first time that's happened since 2001. And Governor Gavin Newsom is not happy. We'll get to the bottom of it, and that's why that investigation to what happens and its implications for the future will be done swiftly and immediately, and we will lay out in detailed terms what we're going to do to make sure this simply doesn't happen again. Newsom says the power grid operator's failure to anticipate the spike in demand and to meet that spike with additional resources is unacceptable and unbefitting of California. He says fires around California and a warming climate are not excuses. He says the state is moving to secure more emergency power. That includes allowing businesses to run reserve generating facilities, even if those facilities cause more pollution. Even with all of that, uh, we are likely to fall short and we should see uh, some episodic uh, issues as it relates to supplying the coverage that you deserve and you demand. At a board meeting on Monday, members of the California Independent System Operator called CalISO criticized members of the California Public Utility Commission for not ordering them to buy more electricity. Energy analyst Bill Powers says the current power delivery system failed California. He says reserves on paper did not become reserves in real life. And Powers is not optimistic the governor's call for an investigation will be good enough. They peel back one or two layers of the onion, but they don't get deep enough to look at the institutional problems that expose us to these kinds of unexpected blackouts. It has nothing to do with climate change. Power says the entire episode could have been avoided by better power management. Meanwhile, San Diego Gas and Electric officials say their customers can help relieve the pressure on the power grid. SDG&E spokeswoman Denise Menard says conservation is the key. Here at SDG&E, right, obviously we know that it's really hot outside and we don't want people to be sitting in their homes without their AC on, but we are asking people to conserve in every way that they possibly can. So if that's setting your AC to 78, let's try to do it. Nard says if local demand can be cut, that'll have a real impact on how the state's power grid handles the next few days. National Weather Service officials say the dome of hot air will likely sit over the region through Thursday Power grid operators, Cal ISO, decides when a region like San Diego will have to resort to rolling blackouts and how long those power outages will last. SDG&E will track and report the location and duration of outages on their webpage. That was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Coming up on San Diego News Matters. They just kept asking what's happening are you a first responder? And I'd say no, and then they'd ask again in five minutes. We have part one of the Older and Overlooked series from our partners at KQED. 
It's an investigative series looking at the pandemic and wildfire struggles of long-term care homes for the elderly. That's up next after this. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Long-term care homes for the elderly have been woefully unprepared for the coronavirus pandemic. Now, wildfire season is here. And an investigation by our colleagues at KQED found these facilities are not prepared for that either. We'll spend some time exploring emergency preparedness and the elderly in a series called Older and Overlooked. KQED reporters April Demboski and Molly Peterson launch our week-long series, and we start with April looking back at the October 2017 wildfire in Santa Rosa. When the police arrived at the Verena Assisted Living Facility the night of the Wine Country fires, they saw no caregivers, no managers. Police department! In one residential room after another, they found elderly people fast asleep. Just keep going open them, bro. Keep going, Cam. Police body cam footage shows officers helping white-haired ladies in nightgowns out of the building hours after employees left the grounds. Don't send your loved ones here. The same thing was happening next door at the Villa Capri assisted living facility. This is all flying by the seat of your pants. Mark Allen came to get his 89-year-old mother out. When he and his wife Kathy arrived, almost all of the 62 residents were still in their rooms. They found the few overnight staff left in the building. And we asked them if they had an evacuation plan, and they said no. The staff didn't know where to take the residents or how to get them out. Mark asked about the big bus outside. Where's the keys? We don't know. Where's the keys to the office? We don't know. Where's the keys for the... Mark and Kathy began carrying people in wheelchairs and walkers down the stairs. Many of them had dementia. They just kept asking what's happening. Are you a first responder? And I'd say no, and then they'd ask again in five minutes. Police arrived around 4 a.m. and helped get the rest of the residents out of Villa Capri. An hour later, it burned to the ground. Mark and Kathy filed a complaint with the State Department of Social Services. The department accused the facilities of violating multiple health and safety regulations. And the state moved to revoke their licenses. I felt good. I thought, good, justice is going to be served. People were going to pay the consequences. They're going to get their dues. But the company that owns both facilities, Oakmont Senior Living, appealed. Now, nearly three years later, Villa Capri is rebuilt. And both facilities are open for business, charging seniors up to $10,000 a month to live there. I was just so angry. This is Beth Eurotis Steffi. Her mother was also left behind at Villa Capri. Mark and Kathy got her out. I can't even 
really put into words how angry I was and how disappointed in a state agency whose job it is to get up every morning and protect people like my mom living in a facility like that, and they failed them. At the time, state law required facilities to have evacuation plans, but they were rudimentary, one-page forms. And Pam Dickfoss, head of licensing at the State Department of Social Services, says these fires were unprecedented. They typically had plans for a fire within their facility, a fire in the kitchen, but not plans to actually evacuate everyone out of the area. Two facilities abandoning around 100 residents? That was unprecedented, too. But instead of shutting them down, the department put both facilities on probation for two years. Dick Foss says regulators don't want to leave residents at risk, but they don't want to leave anyone on the street either. If we felt the the residents were in danger, you know, we wouldn't have gone that way. California's population is aging. The demand for beds at assisted living facilities is expected to double over the next 20 years, while supply is expected to run out in about 10. Dick Foss says that's why her agency focuses on collaboration rather than punishment. We're being more consultive during our annual inspections now. Beth Eurotis Steffi says her mom, Alice, is still suffering the long-term effects of what happened. After the fire, Alice was transferred to three different residential facilities before she had a stroke and ended up in a nursing home. You look happy. (laughs) You need glasses. (laughs) So she's paralyzed on her left side, and she's depressed and she's angry about what's happened to her life the last couple years, starting with that night. It it felt terrible, like you've really been abandoned. Several people died in the months right after the fire, including Mark Allen's mom. Do you feel like... Yes. Yes, I do feel like she died because of the fire. She wasn't killed by the fire, but because of the fire and the trauma that happened afterwards, it took all the will to live from her. These fires in Santa Rosa were not isolated. The same thing happened the next year in Paradise. 20 residents in the nursing home that are all non-ambulatory. They're concerned at the moment and unable to reach through 911. My colleague Molly Peterson points out the average age of those who died during the campfire was 72. And climate change has already made wildfires more devastating and disasters more common. There is absolutely um, a colliding of the events of both population aging and climate change. Those two events don't bode well for older adults. Catherine Heyer is a professor in the School of Aging Studies at the University of South Florida. COVID-19 makes the already difficult situation of climate change and aging population worse. There have been outbreaks of the virus in at least 72 percent of the state's nursing homes. Heyer says people in facilities now will have an even harder time deciding how and when to evacuate and where to take shelter. And the problem with COVID-19 is that we're supposed to all be separate from each other. California regulates around 10,000 long-term care homes, from small assisted livings to larger nursing homes. A KQED investigation found that 35 percent of these facilities are located where wildfire is a significant hazard. There's no comprehensive map of those hazards. We mapped them using first state-designated fire zones and adding scientific maps showing where wildlands meet cities. Max Moritz is the statewide fire specialist for the UC Cooperative Extension. He says California needs to adapt to the changing risk. To finally come to a coexistence with wildfire, 
that is a whole different way of, of thinking and living with a given hazard. It means that we have to be ready for them and we have to look out for the most vulnerable people when they do come. During this pandemic, long-term care homes have failed to care for some of their most vulnerable residents. The same issues that left facilities unprepared for the coronavirus leave these residents vulnerable to wildfire. I'm Molly Peterson. And I'm April Dimboski. San Diego News Matters is a daily morning news podcast powered by all of the reporters, editors, and producers in the KPBS newsroom. And on that note, we would like to hear from you if you have a moment. Eviction courts are set to reopen September 1st when the current ban on evictions expires. Two state bills are in the works to stop evictions, but the future of those bills is uncertain. We'd like to know, is this affecting you or someone else in your family? Let us know if this looming eviction crisis will be hitting close to your home. Call 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail. Tell us what your experience has been so far and what you are anticipating. You can also find us on Twitter at KPBS News or to find our podcast producer, Kinsey Moreland, she's at Kinsey. Go to kpbs.org to keep up with the news throughout your day. And as always, you can find more KPBS podcasts like Only Here or Cinema Junkie on our website at kpbs.org kpbs.org slash podcast or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.